for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, huge sale coming Dude, up at it's been a, Tuner. It's been a wild ride to get to this point. You know, <laughs> just everything you have going on in marketing. And then uh, we work together on the backside a lot with, you know, sales, promos, stuff like that. So uh, we got really creative this month. That's right? right. We want to do something different, something a little unorthodox for what we usually do. Um, and yeah, we have a huge, huge, huge couple weeks coming up. So, so everybody who buys an upgraded turbo should also buy a boost test kit now i why paul well okay great question chris um you probably have a boost leak and you don't know about it and that just goes for everybody statement everybody listening to the show regardless of what your truck is you probably have a boost leak and you don't know about it so a boost tester will help you find that think about this paul right every truck that's out there the guys that are listening to this have spent money on their truck in one way shape or form for an upgrade yep whether it's a 12 valve and you buy a fuel plate and an injector or a j-hook for the turbo wastegate or a turbo whatever um you get into the newer stuff that's tunable you know you're going to spend money on tuning right on these trucks we're spending money on our vehicles because we want to see a performance gain and an efficiency improvement. Well, a boost leak could potentially ruin all of that, and you might not even know that, right? So it's it's more of like an awareness and an insurance policy that the truck is operating correctly. Um, and these things have been flying off the shelves. Like, very, very popular product for us. We offer a wide range of, of products sure, and that, uh, and of that, support. That's what I was going to say there is I think you should buy a Stealth Turbo. And yep. I think if you're going to buy a Stealth Turbo, you definitely should buy a Stealth Boost Tester kit. Mm-hmm. Now, Boost Testing, just in general, is something everybody should go do. Every other oil change or every um, oil change. It should be a staple in, in my opinion, any turbo application absolutely yep. uh but but one thing i've we've learned over the years is most of the boost test kits out there suck uh the regulators are crap if they have one at all had a couple guys this week they bought face plates from us yeah but not the regulator because they had one they're like yeah our regulators were junk we need something a little more durable so boom those things happen so we offer a package right a package for everything and pretty much any duramax Got you covered. Cummins from 94 all the way to 2021, got you covered. Power Stroke guys, if it's an 03 to 07 6 liter, we got you covered. We are working on some of the newer truck stuff as well. Um, but for the the mass majority, like we we have something that is available. That's right. And, and the unique spot about it, like you had mentioned, the faceplate, is that the Stealth Boost Tester actually connects to the front of your turbo turbocharger, whether that's the inlet adapter or directly onto the faceplate of yep. the turbo. We have some different options available for some of the trucks. What it essentially is doing, though, is it's testing can the compressor actually hold air. That's crucial. We find a ton of factory trucks cannot. Boost leaks, yep. um, and then number two, it's also testing the connection from your turbo to your hot side intercooler pipe, which is usually where like the traditional old school kind of cheaper boost testers yep. fit in. Um if you're testing there, that means you're not testing that connection, which I don't know how many guys have had to go through chasing down a boost leak they can't find only yep. to find out it was right there on the, from right the turbo in to the hot side intercooler yep. pipe. So uh, the sale running from June 21st to July 9th is going to be you can buy a Stealth Turbo and you're going to get a free Stealth Boost Tester. Now, the regulator and a faceplate or and an inlet adapter would run you $235 to $255. 
you're getting the whole boost test kit for free. So you get a high quality, super durable, liquid filled gauge, HD regulator, along with the corresponding faceplate or or adapter that's going to fit your turbocharger. So it's a killer sale. Yep. Uh, and it is available for those that's like about a three week range. Now, hey, a lot of you guys out there are tuning customers, tuning fans. You you need tuning for your truck. Guys, I don't have a, a necessarily a discount, but we do have some special edition limited time o- offered only hats uh, that say tuned it. That's our new hashtag, tuned it and Duramax tuner. We got a rack of those. Once that box is gone, they're gone. We're going to give them away free with all of the tuning orders that have some sort of shipping included. So if we're going to ship you out a switch or hardware or something like that, and you've ordered tuning, we're going to get you a free tuned it hat to go right along with those. Then we have some product releases. So we talked about it in last week's episode. Um, I just kind of want to go through everything. You know, it's it's important. Uh, I'm always I'm really excited about these things. Uh, first and foremost, we have our L5P67 G2 Turbo. These have already been circulating in the market. We've been selling them, but we have haven't done our hard launch where we have them on the website and we market that. That's right. So that's number one. Number two, the long-awaited HE351 VE um, and the uh, HE... What are what's the other HE three hundred VG VG man yeah. I'm, I'm done it's a three it's a three fifty one VE in my book um, <laughs> basically it's a six seven Cummins turbo it's a sixty four millimeter drop in it ranges from two thousand seven and a half all the way through two thousand eighteen we've done a lot of extensive workings on the exhaust side of things there's some really cool technology around that turbocharger that's going to set that turbo away from some of the competitors in this space yeah we're really really excited to get that to market it's been a long time coming and then we have twenty twenty switch on the fly power strokes. That that is another really cool product. Uh, where the fifteen to nineteen power stroke stuff we have is very popular right now uh, over at Calibrated Power DuramaxTuner.com. Uh, but getting into the twenty twenties was a little bit more involved. Turns out we couldn't do a remote flashing device for the ECM, so instead we're actually going to launch a bench flash service where we'll bring your you ship your ECM into us. We put the tune on it. We ship it back with a switch and uh, all of the hardware, which would be like Easy Link that you need for your transmission tuning. So you get it, you install it in the truck, you flash your TCM tune, you install your switch, boom, you're down the road, and we're good to go. So it's that's going to be a really, really fun product for customers. Definitely a cool product. The The gains are ridiculous. They're very impressive. But it's just one of those things, man, the newer trucks are just getting complex. They really are. They really are. Um, speaking of power gains, we have to we have to go through a lot of certain verification procedures um, to be able to publish power numbers. One of the things we've done is we've completed all of our uh, verification. We know how much power the trucks make. Uh, now we just need to to kind of put all of that into a context that's going to be included with the product launch. So if you're looking for like really specific details, I know a few of you have already messaged the Duramax Tuner Facebook page or the podcast Facebook page. Please continue to do so. Uh, we'll be releasing details all at one time. So come uh, next Monday, June 21st, we're going to be able to tell you and answer all of those really detailed orientated questions that I've, I've kind of already been getting from the guys who are yep. excited about it. Chris, speaking of excited about it, uh, I am really excited for today's episode. You and I are not going to be a part of it. No, but I think it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's a real hot topic. And this hot topic comes in when guys start talking about turbocharger upgrades and the overall operation of how the engine functions around turbochargers. And what that is is drive 
to boost pressure ratio. So uh, boost pressure is the pressure that the compressor wheel pushes through the intercooler pipe, the intercooler itself, and makes its way into the intake of the motor. Drive pressure is the exhaust pressure. Okay, sure. So that's the pressure leaving the turbine, having to go through the exhaust itself. And I kind of think of it like this. Boost pressure is what's going into the engine, yep. and drive pressure is what's coming out. out. So what's going into the head, boost. What's coming out of the head, drive. Yep. Um, and when you have a a very efficient setup um, that drew that boost to drive should be like one to one. Okay, that that's ideal. Right? That, like that, that that's, that's what, perfect. That's what world. people talk about. Yeah. Um, but in reality, in a turbo application, things like that, you're gonna see, you know, one to one point two, one to one point three, and we've seen boost to drive pressures. Guys talking online, one to one and a half, one to one six, like some crazy crazy numbers. And that has an impact. That has an impact on EGTs. That has an impact in just the overall engine temperature and engine operation. It it really has an effect of how the engine functions as a whole unit. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, what's interesting. Um, so so we'll we'll jump to the point here. So Nick Pregnitz over at Duramax Tuner. Duramax Tuner, of course, one of our sponsors and where Chris and I work. Um, Nick just we just wrapped and and published a video on drive to boost pressure ratios. And you know what's funny, Chris, is when we were working on that video, uh, we had heard a lot of guys talking about one to one and wanting a turbo that was gonna be one to one. And then we started like really digging deep into some data logs and some turbo R and D and stuff like that and found out like that idea of one to one, it's not just can it be done, it's when can it be done yep. and in what tiny little window of perfect operation are you gonna see it? And then what do you see the rest of the time? Like, did you know that it's actually really common on a VVT to see two or two and a half to one just driving? Wow. So so there's 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 things that like when we talk about this concept, I think even guys who are hardcore enthusiasts and been around the game a long time, a lot of this drive to boost pressure ratio talk stemmed from running S400s back in the day oh. compared to an S300. So a fixed vein in a competition application. I think what you have, Paul, though, just to kind of clear that up is when you're talking about boost to drive pressure, there are differences. Just like when guys call in about fuel pressure, right? What should my fuel pressure be? There's going to be a variance to all of that. So yep. when you're talking about, well, boost pressure to drive pressure is is one to two and a half, you know, that tells me that that's the early stages of getting that turbo in motion. That's the veins clocked a certain way. That drive pressure is not bad drive pressure. There you go. The bad drive pressure is a wide open throttle run, running through a wide RPM window, peak power. So, so there is give and take with that. Th there is. And, and that, and that's where I think a lot of guys get lost in this conversation. Yep. And that's one thing. That's one of the reasons that I thought pulling the audio from this video which th this is available as a video guys you could jump over to the duramax tuner youtube channel you can actually watch nick and have some of the visual references throughout it um of actually seeing like when how and why does drive to boost pressure ratio matter I, and and i think that's a lot of things that guys who especially are going to be maybe have been around diesel performance but haven't done a ton with this lately um this is a really, really cool video where you can see some real hands-on examples and actually get a lot more in-depth with what goes into to measuring that and why should you give a shit about yeah. it. So let's kick it over to Nick, uh, and we'll talk to you guys in just a minute. Hi, I'm Nick with DuramaxTuner.com. Today on Diesel Insights, we're going to tackle drive pressure ratios. If you're on the forums and you're looking at drive pressure ratios, you're reading one-to-one, -one, right? That's where you want to be. If you're buying a turbocharger, you want to find the turbocharger that works perfectly to get you that one-to-one -one drive pressure ratio. It doesn't exist. But you can get close. 
at certain parts of the operating cycle of the engine. Drive pressure ratios matter because they're a great indicator of reliability, power potential, and how efficiently the engine's operating. First, let's get down to basics. What is a drive pressure ratio? Well, if you're an enthusiast in this market, you know what boost is. Pressure in the manifold, right? So on the compressor side of the turbocharger, you're used to measuring how much pressure is that turbocharger making, and you're relating it to how much power output the truck's making. Okay, now on the other side of that compressor wheel is the turbine shaft. And that turbine is using exhaust energy to drive the compressor. That energy isn't free. It's in the form of heat and pressure. That pressure is called drive pressure. So pressure in the exhaust manifold driving the exhaust turbine. So your manifold pressure is drive pressure. The ratio of that drive pressure to the boost pressure is what we're going to talk about. So in order to make this whole thing relative, we're going to call it a ratio. So if there's 15 PSI of pressure in the exhaust manifold and 15 PSI in the intake manifold, that's a one-to-one -one pressure ratio. If there's 30 PSI in the exhaust manifold and 15 PSI in the intake manifold, that's two-to-one. That's not as favorable. The higher the drive pressure ratio, the more the turbine is working for it relative to the compressor wheel. We want to avoid high drive pressure ratios whenever we can. All right, so I just said two-to-one drive pressure ratio, not so great. Well, the reality is sometimes that can be useful. Pre-variable geometry turbochargers, it was normal to have drive pressure ratios fairly close to one-to-one. -one. And that's because you didn't have the ability to dynamically change the shape of the exhaust housing. With the advent of variable geometry turbocharging, we can really clamp down the vanes and change the geometry in the exhaust housing. And what that allows us to do is rapidly accelerate exhaust gas and get great spool up. The cost here is pressure in the exhaust manifold. So on a variable geometry turbocharger, when you're taken off from the line, you may have the veins closed. As those veins are closed and they're really, you know, clenched down, your pressure in the exhaust manifold is going to go up considerably. So as you take off from a light, you may have 10 or 15 pounds of pressure in the exhaust and only one or two pounds of boost. As that truck gets moving, the veins are going to open up a little bit. Your boost is going to come up and then you're going to have probably a two and a half or a three to one drive pressure ratio. So you might have 15 pounds of drive pressure and five pounds of boost. As that variable geometry turbocharger transitions into the mid-range, that's when you start to see the turbocharger operating more efficiently, and that's indicated by a drive pressure ratio closer to one-to-one. -one. Are you gonna see one-to-one -one in a VGT? Not likely. You'll probably see one and a half to one or closer to two-to-one when the turbocharger is operating at its peak. Why do we look at drive pressure ratio? It's a good sign of durability. It's a good sign of, is the truck happy where it's making power? Is it able to make more power? And is it making power efficiently? So the closer we get to one-to-one, -to -one, the more efficient that power production is. You're gonna see the truck off idle, not even close to one-to-one, -one, right? You might have three or even four-to-one. As you get into the mid-range where the truck is at that 22, 2300 RPM, where it's really happy pulling, you know, maybe 23 pounds of boost, 24 pounds of boost, you're gonna see it very happy. So that's going to be the closest that you're going to see to one-to-one. -one. As that truck transitions over into that 3100 RPM or closer to the shift point under full load, you're going to see it again go away from one and a half to one or two to one. You're going to see it probably go higher, maybe 2.2, 2.5 to one. Depends on what kind of turbocharger, vane setup, fueling, all that stuff, right? But you're going to see it go further away from one-to-one -one again, indicating that the truck's not operating as efficiently as it was at 22 or 2300 RPM. When I'm tuning a truck or a new turbocharger and I'm looking at drive pressure ratios, I look at these things relatively, okay? There's no magic number that I'm targeting. I mean, sure, I want the lowest I can get, 
But if I looked at a turbocharger previously and we were running two to one, and now I put a new turbocharger on and we're running 1.8 or 1.9 to one at peak, you know, that's comparable loads. That's an indication to me that the truck is more happy, that our turbo design, our turbine design is been more efficient and we're gonna get more out of the truck at that area. So basically the truck is happier there. What do I mean by happier? Well, probably the EGTs are down, probably the boost is up slightly. Anytime you have that situation, you have more durability out of the truck and less fuel consumption. Durability is great, right? We don't wanna fail exhaust gaskets. We don't wanna superheat our bellows. We don't want the truck operating hotter than it needs to because of course it's consuming fuel when it does that. Inefficiency can be seen in high EGTs and it can be seen in excessive fuel consumption. So as your drive pressure goes higher than whatever the relative previous was, so let's say you start at two to one and now you change turbochargers and you're at two and a half to one, the truck's gonna consume more fuel. Why is that? You're costing more turbine energy. Anytime you're costing turbine energy, that comes in the shape of fuel. Okay, so we wanna avoid that. All right, so you've heard why I think drive pressure ratios are important. You've heard kind of what you can tell by looking at them in a relative sense. So how do I measure it? Well, let me tell you. I have this turbocharger in front of me. This is an HE351VE. This is a variable geometry turbocharger, bolts to the manifold on a Cummins. If I were measuring drive pressure on this turbocharger, which is necessary if I'm gonna get a drive pressure ratio, I would measure as close to the uh, entry to the turbocharger as possible. So if I could get a port either on this side of the turbocharger or on this side on the manifold, that'd be great. What we don't wanna do when we're measuring drive pressure is go, is biased towards one cylinder. So the closest you can get to the convergence of all the cylinders and the further away you can get to the cylinders before you get to the turbine, the better. The reason I say that is the closer you are to a cylinder, the more pulsation you're gonna see in your drive pressure number. And that pulsation needs to be averaged in order to get a useful drive pressure number. So if you're seeing the drive pressure gauge go like this, that's not a useful thing. And that's what you'll see if you put it close to one cylinder. Also, when I'm making a drive pressure uh, setup, I like to use a, a piece of quarter inch uh, copper coil, run the coil up, and what that's gonna do is allow the exhaust gas to cool before it gets to the pressure transducer. Now keep in mind, you're gonna see pressures of you know probably close to 100 PSI if you're in a performance application. You may see more if you're in a compound turbocharging application. So you wanna use a, probably an electronic pressure transducer that goes zero to 100 or zero to 200 or 250. You want to take, take care of that pressure transducer. And you do that by using a quarter inch copper coil, coiling it, letting the exhaust gas dissipate its heat before it gets to the transducer so it doesn't damage the transducer. What that'll also do is keep the soot out of the transducer for as long as possible. Now the Ford and the Dodge use a factory drive pressure setup, and that has a nice buffered metal, metal filter into that. And what that does is catch the soot. So, you know, just keep in mind that your copper coil is probably gonna get soot in it after a while, and it's important to clean that out once in a while if you want accurate readings. Of course, drive pressure is only half the game. You have to have an accurate boost reading as well. Your factory map sensor may not go as high as you need. Make sure you have a gauge that goes as high as the turbocharger is making. So most factory map sensors max out somewhere around that 37 PSI number. If you're in a performance application, just make sure you have a map sensor that goes as high as you need to measure the boost. Ideally, they're electronics. You can see them on a data log. And that way you can really see load. You know, you can see uh, MM3, so total fuel used. You can see RPM, and you can get a constant point at which you're measuring drive and boost. Do that division for drive pressure ratio. That way you can compare if you change something in the turbocharging setup. You've got the drive pressure setup wired. You've got a good boost reading. You're out on the street. What are you looking for? Well, 
it's nice to be able to compare before and after on turbocharging setups. So certainly if you're in the market for a turbocharger, this is something I'd love you to do before you put the new turbocharger on. It's going to give you an idea of the operating range of your engine. You're going to get to kind of memorize where your drive pressure ratios are at different points in the load and RPM range. And you'll know when you put that new turbocharger on, where did things shift? Okay, so what I look for when setting shift points is when does my drive pressure ratio get crazy? Right, so as I get towards the end of the rev limit of the engine, you're gonna see drive pressure ratios go exponentially higher, okay? You're gonna really get a picture of where the, where the truck is unhappy. So you'll know, you know, do I wanna run this truck up to 3,500 RPM or do I wanna put a rev limiter in it because drive pressure is simply astronomical and it's gonna cost me exhaust gaskets and up pipes and whatever else, right? So it's a good, good safety indicator. Another reason I love the drive pressure ratio is it's a good indicator of when things are changing in the truck. So let's say the truck develops a boost leak. You're gonna see drive pressure stay high and boost pressure drop. So you have notes on how the truck was performing at one point, maybe two months ago, and now you go to a sled pull and your drive pressure is high and your boost pressure is lower. Well, something's different there, right? So it's another piece of data that points to my boost is costing me more power than it should. When you're getting taxed on boost, that's not a good thing. So you may have a boost leak. You may have something going on with the turbine. You may have something stuck in the intake. It may just be weather, right? But it's another piece of data that helps you make decisions as you go through the competitive sphere. I hope this was a good primer for you on drive pressure ratios. Now you know where to get the data, where to install on your manifold, how to do the math, and why it might be useful in a competitive situation. Of course, there's more considerations to this specifically what happens downstream of the turbocharger because that pressure that you're measuring in the manifold that doesn't just come from the turbine especially on emissions equipped trucks there's a lot happening after the turbocharger and those elements can greatly contribute to your drive pressure ratio we're going to hit on those on the follow-up video here so stay tuned for part two chris I know I learned a lot of stuff um, while watching that video. What'd you think? Nick never ceases to amaze, right? I mean, there's always <laughs> some educational content that he's able to uh, feed into my head from time to time. Um, and this one was a really good one. You know, there's there's a lot of components on a truck where, you know, guys, like I'd mentioned with the fuel pressure earlier or talking about exhaust gas temperatures, you know, yeah. that you have this idea of what's okay and what isn't okay, but there's also needs to be an understanding of, the operation and when those temperatures matter. Context. Right? You so, need context correct. around these, you need around these data around points to, so, to have them make sense. This, I think, outlines, right, as a better way to put it, is it, it outlines what you need to know and what needs to be understood before talking about drive pressure or talking about boost <laughs> pressure. And I think it kind of builds that understanding of, you know, what you need to do for upgrades in the future as well. There you go. So. Absolutely. Guys, uh, speaking of upgrades in the future, one of the things you're going to run into is troubleshooting problems and either hiring somebody to be your mechanic or having to be your own mechanic. Right. Um, and we have had these two segments going on here for a while now this year, Chris, with Sean Lynn from our customer service staff mm -hmm. and Jeremy Garnett, our super tech out of the shop. Uh, well, for today's episode, I kind of brought these two guys together okay. and we really just hashed out some fun stuff uh, that we've been dealing with, things we've seen at the shop, and getting some advice from these two at the same time I think is a really, really cool uh, part of the show. And we're going to try this from time to time, guys. Uh, also, a quick heads up. I know Jeremy wanted me to share. Hummer Project is underway. If you're not following Duramax Tuner's Instagram channel, 
you really, really should be because Jeremy's documenting a ton of it there and also at his Instagram page as well. So make sure you jump on and follow Jeremy for some more content. But for now, let's kick it over to myself, Sean, and Jeremy and talking about our customer service super tech smash up segment. All right, listeners, I'm back at you. I thought last time when we had our super tech, Jeremy Garnett, how the hell are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? And our awesome customer service rep, Sean Lynn, how the hell are you? Good. How are you? I thought you guys being on the show together were great. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about it? Did you feel like, Sean, tell me, did you feel like Jeremy stole your thunder? Uh, Maybe a little bit, but (laughs) I I like talking to him. (laughs) And and Jeremy, I know how much you love everybody from the tuning team. Oh, yeah. They're just wonderful people. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, This is a chance for for us. If anybody's ever worked in in a shop that has different departments before, um, there is always some certain understandings that you have of what that other department does and doesn't do. Uh, so, for example, when we have mechanics and somebody from our tuning and customer service team here, uh, we run into questions about, like, switch installs and who, who should boost test it next and shit like that. And so I think we found a vehicle that the two of you kind of overlapped on on working on. I thought it would be fun to talk about in this segment. Uh, we recently picked up a 2019 Roxor uh, with the automatic transmission. So the Roxor is that little, like, Jeep lookalike thing from India made by Mahindra. They're really, really cool. They come with a little four-cylinder diesel, turbocharged, and no intercooler. Over here at Calibrated Power, we've developed an intercooler, a turbo, and, and a whole slew of other parts that go along with it, and, of course, our custom tuning. So, Jeremy, you and I got to work on a really cool part for this, um, and that was the HD grid heater holdout. Right. Can you talk a little bit about what we found? A, a, can you talk a little bit about whether or not you think that part is needed on every single rocks or ever made? 100%. So <laughs> um, reason number one is that the factory um, uses just a, they don't use a clamp on the bottom of it. Yeah. So, and it's just, there's one little tiny little bolt and a rubber boot. So the factory rocks or, I mean, will push up to what, nine pounds? Yeah, I think it's nine PSI. It's like nine PSI. I mean, Okay. We tested it and boost tested it. It leaked at three psi. Yeah, like hard leak. Hard leak. So the grid heater, right where the grid heater is uh, on the top driver side of the engine, uh, you you can actually see the little square looking plate in mm-hmm. the uh, in the bellum there, and and right at the, I think it's at the bottom of it if I remember correctly. Right. It just pisses air. I mean, just the minute you hooked up the stealth boost it, tester to it. It just I don't barely know, in there. <laughs> I don't know that you even got up to three psi because it was just pouring out of there. Uh, and this is this is factory. This is a completely yeah. stock no mile unit, and and, and it with, couldn't hold boost. Yeah, and having no intercooler. Right. So <laughs> right. <laughs> the loss is just immense. Um, so the HD grid heater hold down is a billet aluminum piece. So you know it's really strong. Uh, and it clamps in there in the right way, and it uses T-bolt clamps, so it doesn't use worm drive stuff. Mm-hmm. And it uses all really good hardware, and it has a special bolt that holds it all down. Right. So it has a special bolt that holds it down, and it's also um, so it's machine. That's right. So it's done on a machine, and it's double O-ringed. Yeah. So where it actually goes over, um, it actually double O-rings. So it's actually just sealed with the double O-rings, and not a a boot going over right. a, a nipple, you know, a nipple, you know. It's and, it, and it works. So so we boost oh, tested yeah. it at 3 PSI. The stock unit couldn't hold any air. We put the HD grid heater hold on. I say we like I turned yeah. a wrench. I literally <laughs> didn't even hold a camera for this. Uh, Jeremy did all of the work as right. the super tech. Um, 
and Justin, uh, our producer from the show, filmed all of it while I stood there and asked what's going on. And then and then we boost tested it again afterwards. Right. And wh- what did you take it up to? Uh, we had it up to 12. So up to 12, no yep. problem. And we've tested them up to 20, 25. Yeah, we went up no to 20, 25 easy. This one, we, we, um, we're actually... You know, doing documentation and video and yeah. stuff, and so yeah, we we were showing it on camera and stuff, and we actually went up to twelve, and, and it holds perfect. And it holds perfect. I mean, it was just it just sat there and didn't even move. Now this exact same Roxor, then then we get done with the video, so we got to show off like the stealth boost tester for the Roxor. Mm-hmm. So we got to show off the HD grid heater hold down, which if you're a listener who has a Roxor, get a hold of us because you're gonna want those two parts for sure. Yeah, uh, and then it went over. And Sean Lynn, uh, superstar extraordinaire, got to come down, and you got to get your hands on the truck. Yeah. Um, earlier in the week, I came down here, and I installed our uh, boost increase valve, which is pretty tight in there, but pretty straightforward regardless. Um, Real quick, give our give our new listeners a boost increase valve. I know them back from the LB7, but but I think a lot of listeners probably haven't dealt with them. Yeah, so it's basically for the older fixed vane turbos that have the external wastegate. It's a valve that goes in between the hose on the front of the turbo and the actual wastegate itself, and it just makes it so that it takes more pressure to go through there. That's it. Yeah, it, it just it, it instead of it opening at whatever five psi or ten psi, it'll add five to ten psi on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really nice little piece, and they're cheap. They're easy to install. It's a, a set of side cutters and a flathead screwdriver. I think it's le- legitimately all you need for that. Now, I have a, a running record here in the company. I don't know if you know about this, Sean Lynn, but I have taken up to three hours to do a switch install, and I have taken up to a full 45 minutes to get a boost increase valve installed properly. Turns out there's a little arrow on them, and if you don't read where the arrow goes, you can do them wrong. Um, how long did it take you to put yours in? Um, it probably took about a half hour just because it was so tight in there. Yeah, they are buried down in there, aren't they? Oh, yeah, it's it's pretty tight. I had to put a light on and stuff and get some long nose pliers. It was pretty tight. Man, so you're creeping right up on my record here. Okay, <laughs> all right, I'm going to protect it. Don't worry, I'm going to go back and help one more customer. One more customer who's got a lot of time to waste. Get a hold of me. Um, all right, so you did the boost increase valve, and then what else did you do to the truck or to the rocks or yeah, I uh, took the ECM out, and we flashed it here with our switchable tuning, so I re- reinstalled it. It's only four bolts, really easy, one electrical connector. You know, anybody can do that. And the switch itself, I ran the wires from behind the dash, and they just basically tie in with a T-harness under the hood. Really straightforward install. That is one of the nicer switch install packages that we have. It's not quite as easy as, like, the calibrated power dial for like the 2.8 liter of the Cummins that just plugs into the OBD2 port, um, but it's damn close. Yeah, it's basically like the uh, the six seven power stroke switch that we sell. Yeah, because that one is a T harness as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So they're really slick, and now that allows customers to switch on the fly. And when you got a stock rack, or they're 50 horsepower to the rear wheels, I think is what we've measured them at. It's like 48 or something like that. It's, a, it's about 50. With tune only, I think we can get them up into 75 or, or 80 horsepower. Oh, so 75 and 120, Sean? Or 75, 105 or something? Max effort tuning, I believe, is 117 horsepower. Okay. Oof. That is that that is cooking in that little thing. I'll just tell you that from driving that thing through the fields when it was stock, and then I've I've gotten lucky. I've gotten to be able to drive it with the tuning, with the yeah. turbo, with the intercooler, yada yada. Um, that is that is hot moving. But this one's an automatic, and I haven't got to mess with the automatic yet. 
I've only driven the manual one before, so I don't know how the automatic drives, but the manual was a blast to drive, so I'm sure the automatic is just as good. Yeah, it turns out we would be able to drive our automatic one, except Jeremy's been over there wrenching on it, monkeying around, breaking everything in the transmission, and yeah. now nobody can move it. <laughs> I What's going on, man? Well, I uh, I got it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a mechanic response. I fixed it, so what if it was down for two weeks? What do you want? What? <laughs> it was broken, but <laughs> I did. I got it fixed. But um, No, we were, um, were trying to figure out uh, trans-tuning. Yeah. So, you know, it's R&D. It's what it is, what we do, what we love. Um, we were just messing around with it with the valve body in it. Um, since these don't have a standalone TCM, um, the valve body is basically how you tune these because everything's included. Yeah. Um, we took it out, and it's actually uh, basically the same valve body as the Chevy Colorado. So we took that out, and we were messing around with it. We had a spare one around, put that in, thinking that we could maybe – not ruin the original one yeah and then it just didn't want it it wasn't happy yeah so we went ahead and we had to put the old one back in and it just didn't like it didn't like going back to didn't like going back you know switching oh uh, didn't sure, like sure, the valve sure. body switching so yeah with after just messing around with it monkey around with it and we got it to go through all the gears and not throw any codes anymore i will say i have been around diesels for longer than i care to admit and vehicles my whole life and and valve bodies and fluid passage and the hydraulics of a transmission still feel like a total mystery to me. I, I, I know that fluid goes in and pressure gets applied and gears get made-ish, uh, but not like gears like you think. Right. Um, that's about as much as I know about <laughs> automatic transmissions. So, yeah. Sean, what about you? Do you mess with uh, getting in there and... and because you, you build six-speed conversion kits, so you, you have more experience with valve bodies than I do, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a uh, bit of a complicated process, but the end result is worth it because you got a sixth gear now and lockout sixth in tow haul mode. Yeah. I've built quite a few of them here, and usually the only time I ever have to deal with it on the phone is if a Cummins guy is losing uh, line pressure in his trans RevMax makes a valve body upgrade for the 68 rfe transmissions sure sure yeah that's a good good call there awesome well guys i think this one's been really fun jeremy um that that install on that hd grid heater it went pretty smooth and i know this because we videotaped you doing it mm -hmm. uh do you have any pro tips for that install um take your time just because uh you know when the pipe comes up and everything it's like don't try to pry anything yeah. Just take your time and then um, surfaces. Make sure the surfaces are clean because, you know, when the grid heater goes back down, you have to they come, we it comes with new gaskets. Yeah. So just make sure that the surfaces are clean, or else you will have boost leaks. So that's, you know that that's such one of the ones that you catch that the the guys who make it fight you the most on the phone, right, Sean? Like the guys who didn't clean <laughs> oh, yeah. the gasket clearly and like has a boost leak for the thing they just fixed, and then when they find it you will never hear about it. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, it will be total silence in an email thread or, or, like, the phone call just never gets returned, and you're like, I think I know what the problem yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, sometimes taking that extra five minutes to take something off instead of fighting an hour around it. Yeah. So sometimes it's just easier to take more things off and work and get a better visual of what you're working with. I love that. That's good advice, man. So. Sean Lynn, uh, you did the install on the boost increase valve and the tuning for the Rocks, or do you have any tips around that? 
Um, yeah, um, like you mentioned earlier, the arrow on the boost increase valve needs to point towards the wastegate, and if it's pointing the other direction, that is not going to work. I feel like you're just rubbing salt on the wound. I said I got it wrong. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> I made it work. I fixed it. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> and for the switch itself, I just recommend that instead of just throwing the wires in there, use the wire loom that comes with it, zip tie it off so it's not flying around under your hood, you know. Make it look clean, guys. Like, like take take some pride in it. Uh, no, but but for real, um, it does look so much cleaner when you do that. And you also you run into less potential issues down the road. I don't know how many times I've seen an LB7 or an LLY that's had a switch working <laughs> for five years all of a sudden show up at the shop for diagnostics, and you're like, hey, buddy, this broken wire might be the problem. And, like, they never <laughs> ran it through the loom. It's just sitting next to the battery cables. And you're like, what what are we doing? What are we doing? I get it. Awesome. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much both for joining me. Jeremy, uh, we definitely appreciate your pro tip. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. And Sean Lynn, uh, we, we know that we, we love having you on the show, and I love the content that you're bringing to us. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Listeners, stick around. Chris Emke is going to be right back on the show, and we'll wrap this thing up. Whoo, Chris. Dude, <laughs> uh, interesting to say the least. I, I really appreciate that them, you know, taking the time to come down here and do that with you. Um, wealth of knowledge, you know that, that that's everything. You, you know, Jeremy, I, I we've known Jeremy for for, for a couple of years now. Yeah. Uh, so so we've been working with Jeremy, and like when you go up, I just walked up today to Jeremy and was like, "Hey, how's this summer project going?" And he's like, "Ball, you know." And then two minutes later, we probably got into the conversation like yeah. for real and then like all of a sudden i look down and it's 20 minutes later and yeah. i'm like okay for real i gotta go but i will be back to talk more yeah. about this and that's the way i feel like talking to him about working on a truck goes where it might he'll he'll play it shy up front and then as you start to dig further and further into yeah. it you get more and more detailed about how much fun it really is yeah, no definitely and definitely sean lynn passionate. um taking out his time uh to come down and talk to our listeners we really do appreciate that it's a big shout out to sean lynn uh, we're going to make sure we include his social media tags in the show notes. So, guys, go check that out. The other thing we really need all of our listeners to do. I think it's time subscribe, rate, share. Um, we, we have we have these segments and we have these episodes going every week. So, you know, we would appreciate it if uh, you did subscribe to our channel, right? Our, yep. our channel there. Um, rate it, right? Five stars, nothing less. I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, I take the time to do this, so rate it, rate it well. <laughs> and share, because there's probably other diesel enthusiasts that would really, really appreciate to listen to Paul and I ramble. That's it. Hey, uh, if you think about how you found the show, uh, let's try to help somebody else find the show that same way. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. Guys, I loved doing a joint 